0: How did Jesus obey the law as a baby? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me remotely, but still as always, is Brian Dombosik, our managing editor. So I'm with you in the heart. You are with me um, as a disembodied voice um, yes. coming through my headphones and not in the room with me. It's a little weird, but we're going to be OK. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm in my closet at home right now.
0: Mm you know, a closet is a good place to do your recording. Um, actually, it's, it's the best place I have in my house. Hey, I mean, it works. It works. So, uh, so Brian, from from you inside your closet and uh, <laughs> me inside a studio about the size of a closet, um, we are going to be talking about another event in the early days of Jesus' time on Earth, with his first t- visit to the temple as a baby, and this isn't the this isn't the only childhood visit he makes to the temple but it is certainly a significant one so uh let's let's kick this off um with a question that we have kind of sorta answered um even already which is uh how does this where does this fall in jesus life and ministry yeah, so this occurs about 40 days
1: after his birth, and, and we have time stamps in, in this chapter here. Verse 21 mentions eight days uh, before circumcision, and then we see another about 33 days of purification in verse 22. So putting that together, this is about 40 days after Jesus was born. And we have this vignette here of the dedication, and then as you mentioned, Aaron, After this, the rest of Jesus' childhood, as frustrating as this may be to many of us because we're so curious what his life was like as a child, really there's relative silence in Scripture. We have the visit of the wise men would come after this. That's when Jesus was a toddler, two, three years old. Uh, And then we have Jesus at the temple as a 12-year-old, which you mentioned a minute ago. That's the account most of us think of when we think of Jesus as a child in the temple. This one, I think, is often uh, neglected when we think about his childhood. But this one's important, as we're going to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, what are some questions we should be asking when we are are looking at this account, which comes from Luke chapter 2? I think the first one is, who exactly
1: is Simeon and Anna? And while we can't have an exact, precise answer to that, I, I think only what is here is given to us. Uh, and just even there, it's a little bit of, of sketchy details. It just seems like these two were faithful people who were, who were believing God's promises were waiting for the Messiah to deliver. Uh, we know Anna is mentioned as a prophetess, which is an interesting detail. Uh, one that uh, might inform your understanding of, of women's roles in, in ministry and in church or whatever, one of many different passages. Uh, but what it means that she was a prophetess, that's just kind of an interesting detail but I think the bigger idea here, again, are these are two of the faithful of Israel. These were, They were longing. They were trusting in God and longing for the answer to his promise to send the Messiah. And we contrast and compare Anna and Simeon with, for example, the shepherds that we saw at the birth narrative. And the shepherds kind of represent the, uh, the Jewish outcasts. And then we also compare and contrast Simeon and Anna with the wise men who at this point are on their way to visit Jesus. They, of course, represent the elite Gentiles. And then finally, we compare and contrast Simeon and Anna with the the religious leaders like Herod or the, the political leaders like Herod and religious leaders that we're going to meet later who rejected Jesus. So I think these vignettes give us these different perspectives of different categories of people in that day. And again, so Simeon and Anna represent the faithful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, And I mean, I think one of the neat things that is, is there with Anna is, is they do give us a nice little bit of information about her just saying, and, and I love this, that it's like she was, she was faithful and she committed her life to prayer and Mm -hmm. to serving the Lord and that um, she was a widow for 84 years. So she's really, really old. (laughs) Um, She's older. Let's not be an ageist. I'm not being an ageist. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, she's in the neighborhood of a hundred hundred plus years old at this yes, point. Yes, she is. Um, yeah. and so to dedicate her life to to serving faithfully in and in in believing expectation of the coming of of the Messiah. This yeah. one that um you know, it says in uh you know, it it says here that that she she just came up to the came up to uh, Mary and Joseph and and began to thank God and to speak about um, to really to speak about Jesus um, yeah. to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And so, for her to fulfill that role and to encourage other believers um, after that many years of patient waiting and service is really incredible.
1: Yeah, and I think Simeon. It's similar that that he was waiting for this, and th- and then he says, "All right, I, I, I I'm done. I, I, you know, I've lived for what God promised, and I, I'm ready."
0: Right. Right. Um, he and was so both of these.
1: This this long term anticipation, longing, expectation. It's a beautiful, beautiful snapshot of of what faithfulness can and should look like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, another question that we should be asking, really, is: is what was this dedication? Um, and um, that's something that actually is a callback to Exodus thirteen two, which comes after the Passover. And of course, in the Passover event, um, you know, God, in the final curse, uh, the f- final plague, um, death all over all in all every household. Um, in in Egypt, except for those where the blood of a of a pure and spotless lamb had been post had been painted on the on the the doorway, um, that the firstborn of the firstborn of every animal of every and every home would uh, would be taken. Um, and um, and so what we see here in Exodus thirteen two, is um, God saying, consecrate every firstborn male to me, the firstborn from every womb among the Israelites, both both man and domestic animal. It is mine. Um, and in verse twelve, it also it, it says it says it again that uh, the text says it again that um, God says they belong to me. Um, and so. What this is is saying you know the firstborn um, under the law were to be set apart or to be called holy to the Lord. They belonged to him. And so as part of that as part of part of that, um, parents were instructed to make an offering in the place of the um, of that first that firstborn son. Um, and so we we actually see that um, Mary and Joseph, Make this make this offering, and um, um, and they do it with a pair of turtle doves or or two young pigeons, um, which was an indicator that uh, under the law they were very very poor. Yeah, Um, and and because that's one of the things that's actually pretty incredible about the law is um, God had appropriate kinds of concessions for different life circumstances. there he he was very gracious even in giving the law that yes a sacrifice had to be offered no matter what but that sacrifice could look different based on your circumstances and and so that's really really cool um yeah and i yeah. think
1: what, what's really I, I, and you you hit on this but i just want to clarify in case somebody is, is not as familiar with the passover um but yeah who who was going to die the firstborn son of every Household, including Israel's. Yes. And again, I know you, you hit on this, but I just want to bring it to the surface to make sure this is abundantly clear that Israel was not spared from that judgment. Therefore, the firstborn sons of Israel deserved to die, which is why basically they were the Lords at that point, right? Yeah. And the way that they, the Israelites in that day, could save their children from this death from from God taking them in that moment was the sacrifice of an animal so they could hold on to him you can see the parallel yeah between that and the dedication that technically Jesus as the firstborn every firstborn belonged to the lord in that same way and the way the family made sacrifice was their way of holding to that child into God's kindness. So it's a beautiful picture, and it's going to come back to us in a minute about how this points to Jesus, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, so another question that we've got here, of course, is, um, you know, why is it important that Mary and Joseph completed everything according to the law, as it says in verse 39 of Luke 2? So, Brian, how about you hit on this just a little bit?
1: (laughs) Yeah, because this is this is critical because we know that Jesus had to fulfill all of the law, not just some of it. And that's what he said. He said, I came to fulfill all the law. Had he not fulfilled part of the law, he would not have been fully obedient. Uh, his righteousness would then be called into question. So it was critical. It was essential that Jesus follow all the law from the very beginning. And what's fascinating here, of course, is he, as a baby, has no control over this. Uh, So he's dependent on Mary and Joseph, his earthly parents, to be obedient in his place and to make sure that he was in fulfillment compliance of the law. Now, we look at this and say, all right, you know, this was clearly God working in this situation. Uh, God had had chosen Mary and Joseph for this this role uh, as being Jesus' earthly parents. Um, And so we appreciate their, you know, God's choice of them. But this is critical. That's why verse 39 is is so interesting and, and so important. Um, that Jesus, it cannot be claimed that Jesus was not an adequate sacrifice because he fulfilled all the law and it cannot be claimed. It cannot be uh Claimed that we in Christ are not perfectly righteous because Jesus is perfectly righteous, as we see.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um most important question that we can ask about this passage is, of course, um, you know, not how does this point us to Jesus as we do when we look at the old testament, but but really how does this point us to the gospel?
1: Yeah. So I think the first one is going back to the idea of firstborn. Uh, that Jesus is the firstborn of God. And, and again, we know that in a different sense. Uh, firstborn is, is a complicated concept when it comes to Jesus. That does not mean one who is created first of, of God. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus is God. He's eternal as the Son of God. But this means the place of prominence. As the firstborn had a, a place of prominence in the Old Testament, the literal firstborn in that sense. Yes. So here we see Jesus as the firstborn of God in that place of prominence. He, this helps us understand that this helps us see this um and so just as as the lives of the firstborn sons belonged to the Lord in the old testament into the days of uh, of the gospels so did Jesus' life belong to the Lord as
0: well mm-hmm. yeah um another uh, another element of this is um is really the the imagery of all the sacrifices that are that are mm-hmm. given here and that is that's a reminder that um, Jesus is the sacrifice offered uh, to redeem um, not only the firstborn but but all who believe yeah. in Him, and I, I think that there's something really cool here about how um, we see this this the, the shadow and substance of the of the the sacrificial system at work together that that. Um, that a sacrifice was made for the one who was going to be the sacrifice for all. Mm. Um, that's it's yep. it's beautiful. It's beautiful it here. It really is. So.
1: And I think that takes us to kind of the third uh, big idea here, and it's that Jesus is the hope for Israel and the whole world. Um, I, I mean, I just love what we read there uh, that we referenced earlier, and and Anna says, "I mean, th- here he is. Here, here's the one that we have put our hope in. This is the one that." Israel all throughout its history, starting in, in the in Eden, really, even before Israel was formed. You go back to Eden and, and God's promise to Adam and Eve that he would send the snake crusher. I mean, so this is this is the source of or the, the fulfillment rather of all the hope of God's people up to that point and beyond.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: is our hope as well. And and of course, this is the story of the gospel. This is the central you know, the heartbeat of the gospel that we can find life, we can find salvation in nowhere else but Christ Jesus. So so this this passage reminds us of that beautiful
0: truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Brian, so let's think about this passage. Let's think about Luke 2 from a discipleship perspective. So um, whether we are serving, um, uh, serving in kids' ministry or we are Uh, discipling teens, or we're leading a a small group or a Sunday school class or something like this, Um, or we're just, you know, hanging out with with one other person and doing one-on-one discipleship. Uh, What kind of guidance can we offer in working through this passage with someone else?
1: Yeah, I think one really uh, important idea here is that what might seem like small details of faithfulness really do matter. And and again, you think about – you know, put yourself in, in Mary and Joseph's sandals in that day. And it may have been tempting to rationalize this. It may have been tempting to say, you know, does it really matter that we take in, that we travel to the temple, uh, that we, we scrounge up enough money to buy, you know, these these birds, um, even though they were modest for them. If Mary and Joseph didn't have much money, I mean, it was still a sacrifice uh, of their finances. So I'm I, they could have had many different reasons to say, what's the big deal in this? Let's not do this. And I think we have that same temptation so often. Uh, What's the big idea if I just cut this little corner? You know, do I really need to do this? And it's easy for us to rationalize and dismiss these small matters of faithfulness and just focus on the big ones. But I think the reality is these small matters of faithfulness often are the ones that either greatly hinder or help our spiritual growth. You know, I... I don't think it's realistic to believe that we can be faithful in the large things if we can't be faithful in the small things. Mm -hmm. So it's absurd to me to expect that we will have the wherewithal to be faithful in a context where, you know, somebody is holding a gun to our head in some foreign nation asking if we're Christian or not. And we're going to find the faith to say, yes, we are in that moment. And yet we can't trust with giving of our, of our possessions as, as an offering or tithing you know, on a regular basis, it just doesn't seem realistic to me. So I think it's important as we are are discipling others, whether again, it be a kid or or another adult, whatever the case may be, that we encourage them. We remind them of the need and the beauty of being faithful in these small quote unquote, small issues, uh, for that reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I think um, another another one of these things that that we that we should offer as an encouragement is really a, is really a challenge that that comes out of of this passage and out of the example of um, Anna and and Simeon and and certainly Mary and Joseph as well, which is you know how how apt or how likely are we to. Believe with confidence in God's promises, and so mm-hmm. that's something that that we all we all struggle with at at times, without question. And um, when we when we look at a passage like this, what we want to do is we want to to help one another see those see those those little hints and those moments where um, where God where we can point to God having been at work and being at work. In in our lives and their lives, um, to spur one another on um, and um, and encourage one another to to really to keep going and and not lose heart and not give up.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah.
0: So, and I think that takes
1: me to one other that's kind of closely related, to Jared Aaron. That uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of our longings. Mm. And, uh, and I think we, again, we, we forget this. We, just as, as it's hard for us to believe and have confidence in God's promises, mm-hmm. His goodness, uh, sometimes I think we are confused and, and we believe we can find fulfillment in other things apart from God. And, and while we may find what would be temporary superficial fulfillment, um, we don't find the lasting fulfillment that really our soul longs for. And that's only in Christ Jesus. That's why I love this picture of Simeon and Anna, two people who they understood that their longings were found and anchored to God's promised Messiah. And so it's just encouragement as we are discipling somebody else. You know, we live in a very materialistic culture that, that feeds us lives all the time that says we're finding fulfillment in other things and other places. And man, we, we need to make sure we are are lifting up the gospel, the truth of the gospel to Uh, to counteract those lies that, that we tend to so easily. And sometimes we're so yeah, Jesus fulfills our longings, I think is another important takeaway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Brian, I think that is—I um, think it's a really great place f- for us to wrap up this conversation for today. So, uh, thanks for chatting about it. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to sit in a closet and uh, record this with me. Um, and of course, uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, for tuning in for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel. gospel. please visit gospelproject.com. LifeWays VBS 2020 is Concrete and Cranes, and it's all about building on the love of Jesus. Concrete and Cranes VBS features content for babies through adults with age-specific curriculum to meet the distinct needs of every group. You'll also find curriculum tailored for children and adults with special needs. So no matter the age, Concrete and Cranes helps uncover the truth that he who began a good work will be faithful to carry it on to completion. To learn more, go to lifeway.com slash VBS, where you can download free samples of program materials and join our free Directors Club.